Support comes from Adelaide Interiors. Their design team can expertly manage every detail of your renovation and remodeling project from start to finish. From bathrooms to kitchens, appliances, cabinets, countertops, flooring, and coverings. More at Adelaide.com. They're renewable. We are able to harvest the claws off of the crabs, return the crab to its environment, and then it regenerates its claws. So the intention is that we do not kill the crab when we take the claws off and we put it back into the industry to survive and either repopulate or possibly enter into the industry again. I'm Julia Colon and this is The Zest. Citrus, seafood, Spanish flavor, and Southern charm. The Zest celebrates cuisine and community in the Sunshine State. When you Google stone crabs, one of the top search results is, why are stone crabs so expensive? The answer is simple, supply and demand. Today, we'll dig into what it takes to get the delicacy from the Gulf of Mexico onto your dinner plate. Hi, it's Terry Gross, the host of Fresh Air. We bring you in-depth, long-form interviews with actors, directors, musicians, authors, journalists, and more. Listen to our Peabody Award-winning Fresh Air podcast from WHYY and NPR. Stone crab claws are big business in Florida, worth an annual $34 million, according to the Florida Fish and Wildlife Conservation Commission. And that's in an industry that works just half the year. Few people understand the ins and outs of stone crabbing better than Kelly Kirk of Goodland. It's a small fishing village in the southeast corner of Marco Island. Kelly and her family run Kirk Fish Company, a seafood processing facility and market that her grandfather, Bud Kirk, started in the early 1950s. Kelly is also co-director of the Florida Stone Crabbers Association, and she sits on the board of the Everglades Seafood Festival. As she geared up for stone crab season, Kelly took time to chat with me about what you can expect to pay for a pound of stone crab claws, how environmental changes affect Florida's stone crab population, and how she prefers to enjoy the delicacy. I was born on opening day of stone crab season, ironically. It wasn't really planned that way, but it worked out in 1990, so I'll be 33 this year. Yes, I'm young for the industry, but there's more and more of us coming up in it. You know, I'm blessed that my parents are well-established in the industry and they've been doing it my whole life. So because the stone crab industry is so small, most of the people we work with have watched me grow up. They've known me from the time I was in an infant carrier on the back dock to pushing my way into the retail to run the register for my mom when I was in elementary school. And so a lot of our customers and our companies that we work with have known me my whole life. So it, it's been an easy transition into the role I hold now. Oh, what a great childhood. Did you always want to go into the family business? No, not at all. When I was born, well, when I was in high school, I went to college at Florida State University. I wanted to be a doctor. That was my goal. And it's one of those things where you have to get away from it to know how much you want it. So while I was away, I quickly realized that home is back in Naples and Marco Island and Goodland. And my calling was to be in the fish industry and to help preserve what it is and what I want to see it be the rest of my career. Okay, so let's talk about stone crabs. What is a stone crab and how does it differ from any other crab? Stone crabs are very unique. They are the only renewable seafood resource. 
What makes them so unique is a couple things. One, they are found primarily in this part of the world only. So they call Everglades City stone crab capital of the world for a reason. We see them in Everglades and around Everglades, which is my area, and then down into the Keys and up into the panhandle of Florida. You don't see them as much once you get into like Alabama, Louisiana, but you do see a few. And then they do see them occasionally down in the Bahamas. They catch them down there as well but nowhere else in the world do we find them. The other extremely unique thing about them, like I said, they're renewable. We are able to harvest the claws off of the crabs, return the crab to its environment, and then it regenerates its claws. So the intention is that we do not kill the crab when we take the claws off and we put it back into the industry to survive and either repopulate or possibly enter into the industry again. Wow. Okay, so when we talk about eating stone crabs, we're actually just talking about eating their claws and not the full animal? Yes, correct. Interesting. They they learned pretty early on that there was no value in taking the whole crab. There was very little meat inside the main body. A lot of people are familiar with blue crabs where you eat lots of meat inside the main carapace or the main body shell of the animal. And that's not the case with the stone crab. They hold all of that muscle, all of that protein in their claws. So it is a natural mechanism when we declaw them, they can do it on their own, or we can simulate that by a twist motion that it basically ejects at the joint. And if done properly, it does not hurt the crab. Okay, that was going to be my next question. (laughs) I posted on social media that I would be chatting with you and we had some people uh, submit questions. Janet Keeler asked, do the claws really grow back? And you're saying they do. But how long does that take? And can you take both claws or just one? What are the details of that? I find that really interesting. Sure. So it's a big misconception in the industry that we're only allowed to take one claw or the right or the left claw. Technically, if they are of legal size, which is two and seven eighths at a specific measuring point, it's hard to describe if you don't have a claw in front of you, but if they're legal claw, we can take both claws. There is some speculation that says that regardless of if you remove one or both claws, it doesn't change the crab's response to being declawed. Oftentimes they will bury up in the mud until they're able to regenerate or they will crawl back into our traps and have a free meal until they molt, which is when they're able to regenerate their claws. And yes, they really do. We were fortunate enough to work with a local Sea Grant office here that pairs with University of Florida and had a crab in a tank in my retail. So we were able to watch him naturally. He actually hurt his claw trying to open a clamshell, trying to get dinner. And he ejected it naturally. We didn't have anything to do with it. He was only about that big when we got him. Maybe half dollar size. Half dollar, yeah, like size of your iPod case. And then we were able to watch him molt twice while we had him. And he popped out a new claw on that first molt that was fully functioning. It was a little itty bitty thing, but it worked. He could eat no problem with it. And then by the time we released him again, he was probably the size of a coaster, like the size of the palm of your hand when we released him. So we did get to watch the molting process. It was very interesting to see. Obviously it was somewhat of controlled environment. We did still make him work for his food. So we weren't conditioning him in any other way, but it was about 30 to 90 days, depending on which molt he was in. They molt less frequently as they get older, but when they're small and young, they molt a lot. So they're able to regenerate a lot faster. That's really cool. And that's in a way the perfect meat because the animal 
gets to keep its life and you get to have a delicious dinner. <laughs> Is it true that there are right and left-handed crabs? It's the same concept as you or I being right or left-handed. They have a dominant claw and a non-dominant claw. The interesting thing about crabs is the dominant claw we often call the crusher because it is the bigger, meatier, it has more girth to it, and it has more power in it. If we were to harvest that claw or it loses its claw naturally, oftentimes when it molts, the non-dominant claw, which we call a pincher, becomes the dominant claw and turns into a crusher. So they're kind of ambidextrous. They can do both things with both claws. That's pretty cool. Can you talk me through a day in the life of harvesting crabs? I understand that you're not necessarily the one out on the boat, but talk me through like start to finish. What does it take to get the crabs to the public? So it's an extremely long process. Just the day-to-day -day operation is usually a 12 to 15 hour day for the fishermen and then to me at the processing facility. Just in a day of a normal crab season, open season day, most of my guys leave the dock between 4 and 6 a.m., depending on how far they're going out and how many traps they want to pull. They all do it a little bit differently, but the basic concept is they leave the dock, they go to their first string of traps or their first row of traps, they pull the trap up, they empty its contents out. If it has legal claws, they remove the claw, the crab goes right back into its environment right then and there, and then they keep the claw. They do that several times over and over again until they finish their work for the day. The neat thing about stone crabs is that because they are not cooked on the boat, we have to follow some pretty meticulous methods to keep them fresh. So once the claw is harvested, they're kept in a cool, shaded environment until they come to me at the processing facility, which is the same day. It's always within a few hours of being harvested. And then I have to follow Department of Agriculture and FDA TASSEP guidelines, which is our certification to be all legal and safe processing. And we cook them. We like to boil them. That's the method we use. You can steam, you can boil. There's a couple different ways, but we prefer the boil method. They're chilled instantly to stop the cooking process after they've reached that safe internal temperature of 165 degrees. And then after they're cooked and chilled, we take them and sort the sizes. So there's multiple different sizes that come with the stone crab, medium, large, jumbo, colossal are the most prominent that you'll see, but some places have one in between here or there. But that's the full process. It all happens pretty much in the same day. The only thing that happens the next day in our facility would be the grading or the sorting because we like to let them chill in our big coolers overnight before we sort the product. But they're harvested, cooked, and processed all in one day. That sounds like a tremendous amount of work. And so it's good that you have this whole infrastructure. But for people maybe looking to harvest crabs on their own, what do they need to know? Biggest thing is do your homework. That's what we ask everyone to do. Be very educated in what you're doing. It is legal to have recreational traps in the state of Florida. You just have to apply for a license number and they give it to you. You have to tag your trap appropriately. And you can find all of that information through the FWC website, myfwc.com. They have lots of information for recreational crabbers. We take this industry very seriously. It's our livelihood. And at the end of the day, we are preserving the stone crab. That is our goal. We want to make sure that the stone crabs are here for as long as we are in the industry and beyond that. And we don't want anyone to come into the industry uneducated or do anything that might hinder the longevity of it. 
So we just ask that if you are going to recreational crab, that's awesome. There's great information out there, but do your homework and be educated and follow through with it. What do you put in the traps? Depends on the crabber. My guys, we use a lot of fish carcasses or mullet, which is a common bait fish down here. It's also excellent to eat at certain times of the year. It's not just a bait fish, but a lot of people will use pig's feet, which is the non-edible part of the pig, which is another great thing about the industry is we're not being wasteful in what we're using. So a lot of the fish carcasses that my fishermen use come from my fish house. So we fillet them for a retail market. We save those carcasses and repurpose them as bait. So no part of what we're doing is being wasted. It's all serving a purpose. And even with the pig's feet, they're the non-edible hawks of the pig. So it's not something that you can consume, but it is something that serves a purpose for us to catch. They um, tend to last a little longer in the trap. Some people will use a fish emulsion, which is, it looks like a can of cat food. That works well too. And a lot of recreational crabbers will just go buy cans of cat food and poke a hole in them. And that serves as bait. Oh, I can just smell it now. I used a fish emulsion product on my plants one year and I was just like, never again. <laughs> the smell yep. was something else. Support comes from Adelaide Interiors. Their design team can expertly manage every detail of your renovation and remodeling project from start to finish. From bathrooms to kitchens, appliances, cabinets, countertops, flooring, and coverings. More at Adelaide.com. You mentioned you were born on the first day of stone crab season. Is that October 15th? Correct. Yep. Opening day is October 15th and closing day is May 1st. So you were born to do this. Between (laughs) October and May, how many pounds, or I don't even know how you would measure, how many stone crabs are you all harvesting? Us, depending on the year, depending on the fishermen, hurricanes, weather, health, all of that, every day-to-day job has factors that play into it. Weather's the biggest for us. We generally have around 60,000 pounds up or down. The state of Florida harvests approximately 2 million pounds. So there's quite a few that are caught. And those are just the claw, like, like we talked about. It's not the whole crab. That's incredible. And that's just a few months out of the year. So when I Google stone crabs, one of the first questions that comes up is why is stone crab so expensive? So what's your answer to that? And what kind of prices are we talking? So prices vary. It depends on where you are. Uh, Obviously, if you're out of the state, prices are going to be a lot higher because there is the fees to get them there. In state, typically we recommend you go to a local seafood market or a restaurant that sources locally because you will find a little bit better price there. Um, There's not as many middlemen involved. But the biggest thing with stone crabs is, like I said, they're renewable. We take extra care of these crabs. We take extra care of the claws. It's a very time-sensitive product. There's no delaying it. We have to process them. We have to follow all the guidelines to make sure that they're the top quality for the consumer. And there's so much that goes in behind the scenes that often people don't realize. From May 2nd to October 4th in the off season, all of our stone crabbers are simply working on their gear. Every trap has to be maintained. It has to be repaired if necessary or replaced. 
every trap has to have a state issued tag replaced on it. So it's legal. Oftentimes that's when guys do the most work on their boats, if they need any repairs or regular maintenance on boats. And they're doing all of that with no income because stone crab season is closed. So the fishermen have from October 15th to May 1st to make their annual income. But yeah, it's a multitude. Fuel prices have gone up. Just the cost of business has gone up so high that I think stone crabs are a little more reflective of that and a little more sensitive to that because we have to play the game according to their standards. <laughs> right. So if I go to my local fishmonger, what should I expect to pay? It depends. Um, speaking on last season, anywhere from 18 to $50 a pound, depending on the size. Everyone does it a little differently. Everyone's overhead costs are a little different. In our area, we tend to be on the lower side just because we are the processor where, where it starts. But there are local fish markets that source it from other places that they have to put their cost of doing business on it. But I would say they're worth it because at the end of the day, like we said, they're renewable and they're easy because they're already fully cooked. But just try and support the local guys because that's the freshest product you'll get. Speaking of being renewable, Bill Stokes wrote in with this question, how is climate change affecting the supply? Because obviously if the supply goes down, then the price goes up even higher. I know you're not a climatologist, but just day to day, what are you seeing? Are you seeing any effects of climate change? I can't really say climate change as much because it's more day to day, like you said, for us. Hurricanes have impacts. Day to day weather have impacts. Cold fronts change it more than anything because with stone crabbing, when we get really cold water, it slows down so much or predators move in so frequently that it's a struggle when it's really cold. And then we don't harvest claws in the summer months when things get really hot because that's their primary reproduction time. That's when they spawn. That's when they drop their egg sacs. That's when we want to leave them alone so they can do their business to repopulate. But unfortunately, like you said, I'm not a climatologist. I live more day to day in the industry and I see the effects more of the stuff that we deal with here, like the weather patterns daily, what that all means in the climate change world. I Again, I couldn't tell you, but I know what's going to happen when cold fronts move in or when we have really hot weather or bad hurricanes or good hurricanes or whatever. So what's a good hurricane? A good hurricane is not a strong one. <laughs> um, stone crabs, we say, we call it, they like muddy water, which in our world, that just means they like it when it's stirred up, when the bottom's a little bit silty. And we see that with weather. So when you have rougher waves, higher wind speeds, we see muddy water, we call it, which that doesn't mean anything about the quality. It's just simply that the bottom is stirred up and the silt is moving around. Stone crabs live on the bottom. And they can move freely when it's all stirred up because no one can see them. They blend in. They're less likely to be eaten by a Goliath grouper or the little ones get eaten by triggerfish or redfish. So they're a little bit more protected when the water's stirred up a little bit. So that would be like good weather is just enough to mix things up and keep crabs moving and happy. Bad weather is obviously when we get really bad ones and like we've seen recently, you know, with Hurricane Ian and then Irma five years prior, that changes the whole bottom. That changes everything that we've known for however many years prior to the more recent storms. So we have to relearn the bottom. The crabs have to relearn what they're doing, where they're going. And a lot of times the crabs move. Bad storms move in and the storm either moves the crab or the crab moves away or buries up from the storm. So 
The only thing that we really 100% know is mother nature is extremely unpredictable. And when she decides to have her way or do something, we have to adjust accordingly. And so does the crab population and everything else out there. Hmm. Crabs, they're just like us. And then Robin (laughs) Draper asked a related question, is red tide affecting the supply? So red tide, we've done a lot of studies. We've worked closely with the FWC Research Institute at Moat Marine in St. Pete, and they've done a lot of studies. We do know that stone crabs do not hold the toxin in their meat or muscle. So technically, stone crabs are safe to eat. We know that it takes an extremely high, prolonged concentration of red tide to actually kill a crab. What we do see more frequently is the crabs move. When they have a high concentration or a prolonged exposure, they get out of it. They tend to move away from it. As processors and fishermen, we don't typically harvest from those areas. The state is extremely cautious in monitoring everything and making sure that there's nothing questionable or unsafe about it. And it's just like anything else. When you smell it or when you're breathing it in, the stone crabbers don't want to do that either. So they have no reason. There's no benefit to continuing to produce in that area. I couldn't tell you a stone crabber I know that would. They all pick up and move out of the area because we don't want to tax the population of crabs anymore because they already are taxed just by this nutrient change. And we don't want to risk harvesting something that would be unsafe. However, there's no proof that is, but play it safe, right? This all sounds very complicated. It sounds like a lot of work, a lot of zigging and zagging, depending on what the crabs and mother nature are doing. And then there are rules about the size. It's expensive. You can't do it year round. You got to keep the equipment up. Okay. Let's talk about why it's worth it. Describe the taste of fresh stone crab. I say that they are somewhere between a king crab and a main lobster in flavor. They're a sweet white meat. There's no dark meat to them. And it almost has a flaky texture to it. That's just lovely. It's not extremely dense, so they don't get chewy or rubbery at all. And they're much easier to eat than other crabs because even on a medium size, which is what we call the smallest size, it's still a generous bite of meat in the main claw and both the knuckles. And it's much less work than some of the other crabs that you see on the market. You know, you're supporting family businesses, you're supporting generational families that are in this, that have been in this for decades, if not a century for some of them. There's not many of us left anymore. There's only approximately a thousand commercial crabbers in the state of Florida. So it's an honor to be in this industry and everyone that eats the product, you know, stone crabs are a delicacy. People come from all over the world to Florida just for stone crabs. So I think that we're very blessed that we're in this area where we have access to them. How do you eat them? I'm a simple girl. I like them plain Jane. I don't put anything on them. I think they taste great just as they are. I prefer them chilled. A lot of people do like them warmed slightly just because it's more of a, a mind thing than anything. They think, you know, you have to eat crabs warm with drawn butter, which is a great way to eat them. Slightly warmed with drawn butter. But the most popular way is a stone crab mustard sauce. You eat the crab chilled and dip it in the stone crab mustard sauce. It complements the meat well, but it doesn't overpower them. And a little bit goes a long way. And they're already cooked because you've already done that, right? Yep. So for someone who didn't want to go into the family business, you sound super knowledgeable and passionate. What do you love about this industry? The people and the crabs. You know, there is no other industry in the world that does what we do. Like I said, they're 
the only sustainable one. So it's neat to be a part of it. It's neat to see it. It's neat to learn things and then constantly be proven wrong by the crab. Because like we said, mother nature knows it's an honor to work with the men and women in this industry. I grew up with most of them. Most of them know me. And I think it's pretty special that I'm in a position now where I do have the history under my belt, but I have the support of the other crabbers in this area and throughout the state through the Florida Stone Crabbers Association that we are a united front. You know, we are a team. We are all in it for the same reason. We want to preserve the stone crab and we want to make sure that the industry is around long enough that we can all live off of it and it be successful. And at the end of the day, what else do you want out of a job? Wow. Your passion is contagious. It really is. Is there anything else you wanted to mention? Just be sure to support your local fishermen wherever you are, whether you're in Florida or Midwest or there's fishermen all over this country and they're like the farmers. There's not many of us left. So buy local, support local, and you'll get a better product for it. Absolutely. Well, enjoy stone crab season, which I guess for you is also birthday season. (laughs) Treat yourself to some crabs, maybe. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Yep, I will. I always have one on opening day. That was Kelly Kirk of Kirk Fish Company in Goodland. To learn more about stone crabs, check out my article in the fall 2023 issue of Forum, the magazine of Florida Humanities. Kelly's interview is part of that article. You'll find a link to the magazine's website on our website, thezestpodcast.com. I'm Delia Colon. I produce The Zest with Andrew Lucas. Our digital team includes Alexandria Ebron and Chandler Bachman. Zest is a production of WUSF Public Media, copyright 2023, part of the NPR Network.